All right, special interview time here on Below the Belt Show. Wow, we're so happy to have, so happy to be talking to director extraordinaire Andy Palmer. I got to check out this funny, just incredible, very entertaining uh, comedy, college age comedy. Is it still called Coming of Age? It's called. I think it is. I think they're both. Listen, some of those people are pushing forty, and I think they're still coming of age. So okay. yeah, you're good. <laughs> so- the re-education of Molly's singer, yes, Nico Santos. I looked him up. He's forty-four years old. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, dude. Look, I just, I want to, I just like stare into his skin, and I'm like, God, for your, your, just my kingdom for your skin, sir. It's amazing. They call it Asian don't raisin. I oh man, that, so. my wife's Filipino. She's amazing. Like, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I'm like cracking here. She did my makeup this morning. My wife, she did. Oh, yeah, yeah. the nose, the whole nine. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I know you're a director, but were you involved in the casting process? Because you mentioned your wife Filipino. Maybe you wanted to have a Filipino uh, character in your film with Nico Santos. Well, I'm I'm just a Nico fan. Like I I mean, listen, I'm my wife's Filipino, so I'm a Filipino fan. But I love Nico <laughs> Santos, and I knew that I would get crazy points within the fan within the family if I cast Nico. No, um, but no, he's just he's just amazing. I loved him on Superstore. My wife and I both did. Loved him in Crazy Rich Asians, and uh, and he was actually submitted to us. But when we were rewriting, because I I don't know if Annie told you, but the script was actually called the Reeducation of David Singer. It had been written years ago. Oh, and so from a male we, perspective. We, we flipped it. It was a whole male perspective, and then uh, right. we kind of updated it. Uh, uh, Todd and Kevin and I. And so when we were talking about. Because uh, originally, I think the character was like his name was Haas, and he was very kind of like more like that kind of Stifler best friend. And I was like, I think we yes. need to just go kind of a little different modern. I was like, like a Nico Santos type. Like that was literally what I said. And then he got submitted, and I was like, this is the guy. He's the guy we want for this, you know. And so that wow. was it. Yeah. So, so his just... agent submitted him, and I was like, I don't care what he wants. You pay him ever. You take it out of my salary. <laughs> so you decided to go um, the female perspective as opposed to how it was written originally so yeah. uh what was the decision behind that i just thought it was a funnier perspective between uh between molly and elliot you know this sort of like funny mentorship and i think that she i just wanted to see like like someone like molly like she's she was the you know she was the queen of campus and stuff like that and so to right. sort of reclaim that i just thought that that created a fun vibe and also when you know it was something that i felt like if 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 elliot's mom was gonna like trust somebody even though you know even though molly's an f up it it, it was almost like that sort of like well here she's gonna be kind of the second mom she can be the mom on campus that i can't be you know wow and and fantastic casting Britt robertson jamie presley tell us how uh they got on board Britt was like the first person that came on board. We submitted, we sent the script to her because I'm I'm a super fan. My partner Warner is a fan of hers. Uh, and she came on board and then it just snowballed. So we actually, uh, we had cast Wendy McClendon-Covey as Brenda uh, originally. And then because of just scheduling and stuff like that, she had to go back oh, to wow. the Goldbergs. So Jamie was, was, I think Jamie was the last cast member we cast. Interesting. Uh, and it was like a week before she came in. Uh, and, and she just, and it, it was like, it's just one of those things like in film, you have these sort of crazy, happy accidents and it becomes, you're like, oh, it should have been like this from the beginning. Cause Jamie is so incredible in that part and, and her back and Absolutely. forth with Brit is just, it, it is awesome. She was fantastic. It was great seeing Jamie in the, the mother type of role. Um, my, my, 
my knowledge of Jamie was the the sex pot back in the day. Yeah, of course, I mean, and now she's yeah, and and then to see her in the mother role was uh was definitely refreshing. Yeah. And Wendy would have been great, but yeah, Jamie, Jamie was fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, she was, and you know, she just brings like this sort of like you just bought like you're like yes, that is the person that owns a law firm. Like it was like she brought this sort of groundedness that yes. that that really helped the movie. It kind of like brings the movie you know, the slapsticky notion of the movie down a little bit, you know, and uh, fantastic. And then we have a couple more cast members to talk about Ty Simpkins and Holland Roden. Wow. Two great names right there. Amazing. And uh, so much credit of this is to uh, Shannon McCaney and and Gabrielle Almagar, our casting directors, because they're just so good. Um, And Shannon knew Ty had, had, I think cast Ty in one of his first films and stuff like that. And she had pitched Ty to us. I didn't, I, I mean, I just kind of knew him from like Iron Man and from Insidious. And then this is how I knew him from Insidious. Cause I was like, Oh yes. my God, what is going to happen? You know? <laughs> and, um, uh, and he came in and he had literally just come off the whale. And I'm like, there's no way this, this guy's going to come do this movie. He just worked with Aronofsky. Why would he want to work with me? And, uh, <laughs> But we had we we hopped on a Zoom and we kind of hit it off and he Dude. he also needed that break like he had come off this heavy heavy drama right come on our set which is just like very relaxed having a ton of fun and stuff like that and and he just I think he sort of needed that sort of emotional break absolutely because I saw him in the whale as well and it was a very very different role and yeah. to just that's the thing about acting, you know, you got to do that, those range of roles and range of characters. And yeah, you certainly, certainly did that. So um, again, watching this film, it, it reminded me of my college days. It, and it's definitely a film that we, we don't see too often. I know the, the, the college comedies were kind of a, had that reinsurgence with uh, American pie, but uh, yeah. I feel there's been a void. So this is like really refreshing to see another college age comedy. Good. I'm glad I, I, I agree. I just feel like it's such a, it's such an interesting, unique part uh, you know, time in our lives and stuff like that. And um, I, I just kind of wanted to, and especially coming off of COVID where everybody was just so separated and stuff like that. I remember um, our, my editor, Tim Rush, his dad had watched like a scene or something like he had sent his dad a scene and he said, you know, you guys did something really special. You you made you made groups of people in a room feel normal again. And that's what I liked about the movie. Like he, you yes. know, like for him, it was this idea that like, all these people congregate in this big party and that just felt like totally normal for once, you know? And it seemed just like a fun, a blast to be on set. I it can imagine. I mean, you're doing all those party scenes. <laughs> does it anybody was. go, does anybody go method with actual liquor or did you have to keep? No, to, not, <laughs> not on our set. No way. No way. Lots of, lots of flat Pepsi or what. I don't even know what they put in that stuff, but it's like, um, <laughs> I know that like, I know that like for beer and stuff like that, like, we had to like we had to switch it up because the actors would drink like it was, it was something that had just ton of sugar in it and you know and so yeah. it's like they you know you do a couple you know takes of that and they're like oh my god i can't have any more sugar so we had to find sugarless substitutes for the fake beer and stuff like that fantastic i saw that uh, you shot in georgia how was that yeah. experience shooting shooting in the uh, hollywood of the south yeah it was great uh i mean it was it was insane when we were there because there were like 80 other movies going on and tv shows and marvel oh my gosh and yes absolutely and, and so we were kind of the we were sort of the the runt of the litter you know budget wise and so we would like you know we had you know crew that would just switch in and out and stuff like that because they just people would go get bigger and better jobs and stuff like that and so but but everybody there is awesome so it didn't really like i never felt like we were uh you know 
starting from scratch again or anything like that. Everybody just kind of hit their stride and uh, everybody, they were super nice and it was just a really good experience. I liked it down there. I will say driving down there was terrifying. I've like, I, I've lived in LA, I lived in LA for 20 years and Atlanta wow. is like not for the faint of heart, man. They, they, wow. they, they, yeah, they drive you fast decide, down there. You decided to make the drive as opposed to fly. I flew, but I, but you know, driving around town back and forth. I'm driving around town. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. The hotel. No, the drive, yeah. No, no, I, that's too far. That been, yeah. That would be completely insane. Now, how long was the shoot schedule? Uh, 20 days it was 20 days you shot this feature yeah yeah lean and mean lean and mean 20 days i mean wow i, I can't i came up and i still work as an editor so a lot of like is you know a lot of it is just like okay you know we're, we're cut you know the hours are getting the hours are getting tight what can we kind of lose what can we trim where can right. we move stuff like that so that you know and then my dp Philippe vanuel and i are just we just have an incredible shorthand and so you wow. know we you know, we were able to move fast. We make our days and the actors just when you have actors that good, that never miss a mark, that never, you know, that like bring all these yes. great ideas, you know, you can move quick. Right. So we're talking just a couple one and done takes uh, because the, the actors are so It was good. kind of the opposite. What we did is we sort of minimized setups where I didn't do like a, I didn't do crazy amounts of coverage because it's a comedy and yeah. play comedies play a little wide. I shot two cameras for everything and I shot on zoom lenses. So we were never swapping out lenses. Um, oh, okay. And, and, and to do that, the byproduct of that is that I got a lot of takes. So actually most scenes I would get like seven or eight takes, which for me is crazy. Like usually I, it is like one or two and you're like, okay, we got to move on. But this was right. like, I wanted to get repetition because we were constantly improving, constantly throwing lines. Uh, there's a scene where, where they're, they're trying to get housing, uh, with, with, with MAGA Amy and and nico would do these funny things where he would like peek into the frame and like i mean it was just that scene tim and i cut probably 20 different ways because there were so many funny ways that he and brit were doing that and it's three people on either side of a desk you know and they're just bringing all this hilarity to it you know fantastic wow so you did this in 20 days and then the shoot techniques you were talking about certainly facilitated that process and yeah. because usually a feature takes 30 days or more, you know, and I've never, uh, I've never had yeah. more than 20 days. I, I don't, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself after 20 days. So uh, I, ho I hope I get to find out. I would love to shoot <laughs> 30 days. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. And uh, man, I just, the, the, the script was funny. Uh, kudos to the writers, uh, Todd Freeman yeah. and Kevin Haskins. So you mentioned there was improv. So I'm curious how writers feel when actors do improv uh, because you're not, you know, doing their, their words sure. uh, precisely. How'd that go down? I think the thing, I think the thing is, is like, you're, you're always addressing the spirit of the scene. You know, it's like the, the, what the, on a comedy, it's like the script is providing really like the tonal spirit of, of where we want to go, like the journey you want to go. And mm -hmm. then you're just thinking of funny things. And Kevin wasn't on set, um, but Todd was on set almost every day because he was also one of our producers and so and he would just sit behind me and he's like oh man that's hilarious like he he could see it like you just see how these amazing people elevate the you know they elevate the source material and so it's like there's no there's no ego when you have these hilarious people doing things that you just you know you would never think of in the time but um yeah it was you know i think going in we knew that that was the goal that we we're casting people that were amazing uh, and let them go be amazing, you know? Yeah, everybody was so, so amazing. Any other examples of improv uh, that was seen in the movie that wasn't? I'm script? trying to think of like some of our, our, some of our like funniest improv 
uh, improv moments. Um, well, there, the, the thing, the, the funniest one is, uh, uh, one of the funniest ones was when they're coming out, they've just been rejected by Maga Amy and they're walking back out and, and there's a line where I think, I think Nico says, this is the worst idea you had since we both tried anal bleaching. That was one of his, like, that was one of his improvs. And he has like seven more uh, that are just equally as funny. And again, it was just like, I don't know, which one do we do? Or my buddy, Paul Soder, who's, you know, part of the bro- broken lizard crew, yeah. the guy, the guy in jail. And he's like, beers, huh? I had a beer yesterday called a gnarly. I can't remember what it was like, a, a, a swollen frog. And he kept saying all these hysterical animals that he had the you know these these beers of and it was just it was hilarious. wow i'm a little jealous because uh, nico uh, had a scene with that lovely blonde uh, the housing student i'm curious uh, as a gay actor how he uh was able to do that role we it was funny because i think i think of like all the scenes in the movie that was the one that we i sat down with both him and emma who who played amy and we just sort of we just went through it like beat by beat um and stuff like that and but and then the thing was is that like emma was she was so great because she was like she was like very comfortable and so then it just sort of made nico feel a little bit a little bit more comfortable but he was supposed (laughs) to be incredibly awkward so it just i think naturally fell into that but yeah i mean it, it ended up being a really really funny scene absolutely now of course comedies have to be careful in today's day and age did you find anything in the script that had to be removed i mean for instance uh revenge of the nerds uh had probably couldn't uh age well today some of the scenes um was that the case for this film which did give me some revenge of the nerds vibe with that that uh beerathon or um yeah yeah yeah. booze cathlon absolutely yeah Yeah. booze cathlon thank you yeah definitely some some shout shout outs there no yeah you know, the, the original script was really, really funny, but the, it did have sort of those like more American Pie tropes. And I think the thing with, with comedy now is that yeah. if you make comedy inclusive to everyone, if everyone can be the butt of the joke or everyone is in on the joke, then the comedy can survive. But when you marginalize a group or you single out a group that right. you're kind of like poking fun at, then it becomes then it becomes not so funny anymore and that's where it sort of treads in that not you know um in 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 that in that not so funny realm anymore so our my thing is is like we have to be a little bit meta about things and and stuff that pushes the envelope oftentimes we're kind of we're kind of commenting on it or critiquing it you know i mean that you know perfect example is when polls walks in for the first time and they're kind of like they're kind of jabbing at her and stuff like that but then later but then he's like he's like i don't understand why you just didn't tell the husband that she did these things in college she's like well i'm not gonna slut shame her and i'm like well you kind of guys did earlier on but it's good that you recognize what's going on now you know like so it's 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 one of those things where it's like you just sort of have to make everything fair game uh, yeah, and, and and that hopefully will come come across. Yes, it, it definitely came across again. Super duper uh, entertaining. And I noticed that um, Tim Rush handled the ed- editing, but you are a master editor yourself. So it's curious why you decided to step away from editing the film. Yeah, I just I I've always edited my films, but that's how I've been out of financial necessity because it was just I we we could never afford anybody that had the same level of experience that I did and in this movie we had it we had a budget that was good and and so I always say you know to a director like editing your own films like hiring yourself as your own attorney it's just a horrible horrible idea because you're locked into you bring so much emotional baggage you know this shot was so hard to get this day was so difficult 
And, and, and it never, you know, things always sort of change from the exactly the way you had it in your mind and you get sort of locked into that. And so when I would edit a film, the way I would get out of that is I would quickly put together a rough cut and then I would mm -hmm. send it to all my editor friends and be like, okay, guys, tear it apart. Oh. What's not working. And then that sort of served as that sort of editor, you know, getting those other perspective from editors. But in this turn, in this way, just having Tim, Tim and I lived together during, like we were in the same, we were in the same condo together. Nice. So I would get home from set and he would be in there and he's like, okay, let's check this out and stuff like that. So I could see stuff the same, you know, the same day, like the stuff from the day before he had already started cutting together and, and just seeing his perspective on things and the way that he created those scenes, his little montages, the, like the whole thing with like the still frame, like, you know, all the kind of the freeze frames and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd never in my brain had thought of that and I wouldn't have, you know, editing. And he just brought all that to the table. That's amazing. Yeah. Just look at, looking at your IMDb, uh, a great variety of editing projects there, Andy, uh, from reality television, like, yep. uh, um, like, uh, F boy. Island. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> editing F in, in, in two, in two hours and, and, and 15 minutes, I will be back at F boy Island editing. So I'm, I'm on <laughs> the new season right now. Oh, nice. Interesting to know. Metal yep. Monsters with Daddy McBride, Re Revenge Um yep. Are you a fan of reality television? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm a fan in that it really, like, is an amazing tool to, to become a good storyteller. You yeah. know, I, I feel so blessed that I came up in reality TV uh, as an editor because it taught me more about story, structure, character, yes. and stuff like that than I think coming up through narrative could because um you're you're tasked as an editor with taking a, a lot of times like very raw footage and being like you guys need to tell a cohesive story that follows this arc yes. and you don't really have a script you have to do it just straight visually and and reaction shots and you kind of learn all these like these tricks and stuff like that so i feel really blessed that i came up in that because it it gives me that perspective uh when i'm not only when i'm shooting but when we're cutting i'm like oh oh we could we could totally do this uh, and cheat this, you know, from this is like a, you know, a broken take and stuff like that, but her smile's hilarious. So just sneak that in there, you know, uh, you know, you kind of, in, in reality, you, you lie, cheat and steal a lot of those shots and, and then you can bring I, yeah, that into totally. your I can imagine as a fan of some reality shows like Big Brother, I haven't seen F-Boy Island yet, but uh, you have to, I imagine have to take uh, certain elements of what you're shooting to tell the story because otherwise, you know, it, it, and even though it's reality television, you still have to tell a story. At the end of the yeah, that's that's yeah. the thing. And and you have to do it in a way that like the, the, you know, the words aren't necessarily there. So sometimes you're crafting those or, right. you know, or simply just like the way the way that you shape, like the way two characters look at each other. And then it just it, it totally changes the tone of what of what's going on, you know. Uh, and, and so you kind of learn those visual cues. Absolutely. Wow. And it uh, looks like you're also working with the same team with uh, Marshmallow upcoming film. I am. I'm, I, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of at the tail end of uh, Marshmallow. We're, we're really close to getting that locked up. Uh, my producing partner, Warner Davis, produced it and Philippe shot it. I mean, it was like kind of our core crew. Uh, but Daniel Del Purgatorio is the director and he's like a horror genius, amazing uh, nice. uh, guy. And it's a really fun like you know, it's like Cronenberg meets Goonies. Like it's like it's got oh, some wow. kind of like cool dark tinges, but at the end of the day, it's like kids at a summer camp movie. Uh, I'm excited for people to watch it. It's really cool. Wow, Corbin Burnson, Lisa Reiner, Georgia yep. Wigan. You've got a good cast for that. 
Yeah. And then, and you also have Black Diamond uh, coming up shortly as yep, well, right? Yep. That one, that one's all wrapped up in post. I think they'll start uh, shopping that one. That was cool. That was my first like thriller. Uh, and that was, that was a lot of fun, like the, and, and really good cast in, in that one as well. And so, uh, and, and, it, and it's like three people, like almost the whole movie is just three people. So, just, you know, three people in a house to kind of create that, you know, to keep that, that, that drama going and the tension going and stuff like that. When you have limited characters in a limited space was, was a really fun exercise too. Very nice. And then I saw one of your uh, previous directorial efforts is Witness Infection. I noticed sure. Carlos Alazraki, who was actually the judge in, he was. in Molly. Um, I've interviewed Carlos. He's awesome. Great awesome. actor, great voiceover actor as well. Uh, was, was Did he get into Molly Singer because of your work in uh, Witness Infection? Yeah, Carlos was in my very... He, I did a web series with him way back before yeah. I'd ever done a, a, a feature. And then my first feature ever was a $55,000 horror movie that I shot in my hometown. And I very nervously called Carlos Alzaraki up because he was the most yeah. famous person at that time that I knew. And I said, hey, man, I'm doing this movie and I don't have any money, but can I fly you out and will you be in it? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And we put him up in like the world's worst motel uh, in, in my hometown. Uh, and he was amazing. And, okay and, and so forever and always, Carlos, he was in he was in uh, Funhouse Massacre and then he wrote and produced yes. Witness Infection and brought me on to direct. And so, yeah, Carlos will pop up in probably everything I do forever. Nice. Kind of like the Kevin Smith, Ben Affleck thing. Oh, right? Totally. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Can see that happening for sure. Dude, you just awesome. made Carlos his day. You compared Carlos to Ben Affleck like that. <laughs> I just gave him major street cred. <laughs> and you got some Kevin Smith vibes there. Well, there you go. Well, listen, I'll, I'll always take Kevin. I need to go on a day, diet like Kevin. Kevin's like, Kevin's like my inspiration <laughs> now, man. Well, hey, man, it's a Filipino food, right? That Olympia and the Punset. <laughs> I, was, I was skinny when I met my wife. I'm telling you. <laughs> The food is just, it's is just, it a phenomenal? It's, it's great. It's, it's, it's amazing. Stuff. I love, I love. Yeah. Chocolate meat, which is one of my favorites. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't get to partake, but that is like, I don't know. Do, do you like are chocolate you talking meat? about the, are you talking about the dinner go on the blood stew? Yeah. Mm -hmm. said, oh my, I, I, I won't touch that. Really? <laughs> I was nervous, but it, a, it tastes amazing. And B, because there's so much <laughs> iron in it. You feel yeah. like after you eat it, you can walk through a wall. Like ten minutes later, like I'm gonna, it's, I'm gonna kick that door down right now. It's like, vampire it's stew. Yeah. It's literally, yeah. yeah, you're eating blood stew, and so you, it is, the, uh, that's what it vampires is, eat. Yeah. The below is where I, I draw the line. That's that's my that's my Andy. I'm, I'm a Filipino actor, and I think maybe the next project would be a Filipino based comedy. There I would love go. that. I, would, <laughs> I will. I don't know how much time we have. How much you're, time? No, we're, yeah, yeah. We're out, of, we're out of time. We've gone we're out of time. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'll, we'll wrap it camera, up. I'll tell you the funniest story about going home to Thanksgiving for my first my first Thanksgiving at my wife's at my wife's family's house. And you could do yes. a whole movie on that. There you go. Yeah. We already found uh, your next uh, next project. Perfect. And then, of course, let's wrap it up and, and plug the reeducation of Molly Singer in theaters on demand Friday, September 29th. Uh, all your favorite um you know, on-demand platforms, and where where would you would you like to see this on 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 one of the big streaming platforms, or oh would yeah, that would be on demand? That'd be great because okay. that's where that's where people see it. I mean, I make movies for audience. I want the most amount of humans to see it as possible yes. in any form. I don't care if you watch it on your phone or your iWatch, as long as you're watching it. Fantastic. Well, for now, you can see it on demand uh, starting on Friday, uh, September 29th, and yep. maybe at a streaming platform um, in the future. 
We'll see, right? Lionsgate, let's do this. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Andy, this was an incredible, incredible interview. Um, if we could uh, do a promo, let us know who you are. Throw out a plug for uh, Molly Singer. Let us know you're on Below the Belt Show. Sure. I'm Andy Palmer. I'm on Al Soto's Below the Belt Show. And uh, we've been talking about my new movie, Molly, uh, The Reeducation of Molly Singer, coming out September 29th. Go check it out. Woo! <laughs>